Thank you for being here today. Um, I thanked our people at home. We don't want to forget our people that aren't able yet to come out and to join us. They're still part of us. We need to make sure we keep including them. But thank you for coming and being part of this. We're going to hear today. It's a gift from God that we have each other. And uh, I'm so excited that you could be with us. A couple of things that I'm supposed to highlight. I'm so excited. The signs of life are coming back. Slowly, uh, we're getting signs of life. And one of the big signs of life is baptism. We have over a dozen people signed up ready to be baptized this coming Saturday. I know Saturday's different. We used to try to do it. We, we, we try to do it so that people can come from church and go to the baptism site. Well, once we went to two services, that's impossible. You're leaving the first service out anyway. So what we've decided to do is to do a baptism on a Saturday, and we're going to videotape the whole thing. And then that next day on Sunday, the whole church can then see it and celebrate. Now, you're going to be invited. If you want to come and watch in person, that would be great to support those people. Uh, And we're going to try to do two different baptisms on Saturday. This will all go out in an email for you. But around 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to do one at Stony Lake at the beach. Uh, kind of a public uh, dedication there. And then later in that evening or afternoon, we'll do one at a pool. We're going to line up a pool that we can use. And if you feel better, so you got the choice, those of you getting baptized, lake nature and pool. I'm not promising you that pool is going to be heated the way you wanted it to, but uh, it'll be warm enough. Uh, But we'll do two so you can have your choice. And again, you as a church will be invited to those. If you've been wanting to be baptized, and again, baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. Baptism is when somebody says, I've already made the decision to to follow Christ, to be a Jesus follower. I've asked him to forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Savior and Lord. And then baptism is the step of obedience that a believer takes to publicly declare their faith in God. And if you want to be baptized and haven't been, uh, we'll do one at the lake, we'll do one at the pool. And uh, if you want to be included, call the church. Let us know ahead of time so we can make sure you know where and when. That's baptism. And then next Sunday, we're going to do a Discover Oakwood. We haven't had a Discover Oakwood lunch for quite a while now, but we think it's time to do that again. Discover Oakwood is where you can come and learn more about the church. If there's things you want to know about what we believe or how we operate, that's a great place for you just to ask the pastors those questions, and we'll explain who we are. We've got a little booklet that tells you who we are. It's a way for you to get to know Oakwood better. That's for people who are just interested. It's also for people who are interested in becoming members. In order to be a member of Oakwood, you have to have been baptized by immersion, and you have to have gone through to discover Oakwood lunch. Those are the two requirements. Got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be baptized. Three requirements. And uh, if also, it's for those who've been at Oakwood for a while, but would like to just come and be a part of that and, and refresh themselves on who we are and what we're doing, where we're going as a church. So those, two t- those things are an option. Please contact the church so we can know that you're coming and being a part of that. And then men, you received a, a quick email from me and a Facebook blast went out. Uh, I don't know how we missed this or if it, it wasn't missed, it just is late. Uh, I got a letter from, an uh, email from Jeff Totten. Uh, Jeff Totten is the chaplain for the Detroit Tigers and has also uh, played an integral role here at Oakwood as an interim pastor before I came. And he is our missionary. Jeff runs Home Plate at the Tigers thing every year, Home Plate. That was Pastor Bob's big event. Pastor Bob always promoted that, loved that event. Home Plate is uh, a bunch of Detroit Tiger players and then uh, Frank Tanana, former Tiger player, comes and they all speak. The gospel is shared and uh, Matt from Sanctus Rio leads in worship. It's a great, great opportunity. Well, this year they're doing it via online. 
And I got that Friday and I thought, ah, we're just hearing about it. It's tonight at seven. And I called Bill Taylor. He's in charge of our men's ministry and said, hey, can we pull this off real quick? He said, let's go for it. So men, and it has to be men outside of the high school age. High schoolers, you've got your launch tonight with student ministries. I cleared this with Ben. You'll be outside. Uh, Men, college age and up. Uh, We're going to come in the worship center here and watch on the big screen, Home Plate 2020. And uh, we're going to hear those speakers and be involved with that. So men, feel free to come. There's no cost. Bill and I are going to run to Sam's Club, buy some snack foods and drinks, and we'll have something there for you for free. Come tonight and just participate. All you got to do is come. It's from 7 till 8. He said one hour. So 7 till 8, and men, uh, then you can be free to go. So think about coming, men. Wives, encourage your, your men to come. And I know, I know, I know I'm going to hear it. Women are going to say, we like baseball too. Home tables for women too. I know, but we're the men's ministry and we're the ones that thought of it, so we are promoting it for our men. And I do know the women's ministry is launching and there's some simulcasts coming for you too and different things that are happening. Uh, So again, this is not a gender thing. Don't make it an issue. It's just heard about it Friday, wanted to make it happen for those who can. And we're going to encourage our men to come and be a part. I got to stop talking in case it gets worse. Getting more trouble than I'm already in. All right. You guys ready to go? Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Would you say this prayer? God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give God that prayer. God, if there's anything you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this message be edified. And may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been in a series called The Gospel Project. We're walking through Genesis all the way through Revelation. We're in the letters in the New Testament, the epistles. And we're now just kind of browsing through there, making points as we go. Uh, And then coming up will be the book of Revelation, and we'll be finished with our Gospel Project. But we have a couple more messages in this, the letters to God's people. Last week was once slaves, now sons. If you didn't hear, uh, I gave a good... uh, Uh, defense scripturally about slavery. A lot of people just say the Bible's for slavery, and that's not true. If you get a chance and you haven't heard it, go back online and listen to that message. Write some notes so you don't have to be ashamed when people say things like, well, the Bible approves of slavery. I walked us through the Old Testament and New Testament showing that God constantly lets us know that slavery's wrong. He uses it as the illustration of how great the gospel is when he says, you once were slaves, but now you're my sons. And it's much better to be a son than a slave. And so uh, take a look at that. We're in this whole thing, once this, then that. Today is once without, now together. Without can be a terrible thing. I had a message when I was traveling the world speaking to teenagers called without, simply called without. Without can be a terrible thing. I don't know if it's happened to you. I guarantee half this room has done this. How many of you have gotten out of your car, walked all the way to the doors of Myers or the Home Depot, only to realize you're without your mask? How many of you had to do the walk of shame back to the car to find the mask? Yeah. Ah, oh, it drives me crazy. I forget. I go all the way to the door and I spin around because on the door is that sign that says mask required. Without can be a terrible thing. Without coffee could be a terrible thing. Many of you have heard me talk about this. I have a love of coffee. It's, it's a relationship that goes way back, and it's a deep, committed relationship. I love coffee. Those of you who don't, don't drink coffee, don't 
don't worry, don't fret. When you go to heaven someday, you'll start to drink coffee because it's the juice from heaven and it's a wonderful thing. But without can be a terrible thing. When I was in college, I went to the UP with my friend, my roommate. His name was Mike. Mike's dad was a state trooper up in the UP. So I left uh, over Christmas break, traveled all the way through the UP. It's incredible. You go over that bridge and hang a left, and you can drive for hours and not see a human being. I was driving down the highway in the middle of the day and realized I don't see any cars coming at me, and then there's no cars coming up behind me. I'm from Chicago. That was scary. <laughs> I actually came to a stop. I just stopped my car on the highway, and I opened my door, and I got out, and I stood on the highway, and I'm looking both ways going, where are all the people? I finally went all the way on up to the UP. Back then, we didn't have cell phones on us. I had a, a directions from Mike. Mike said, you come all the way, and you get to my town, and when you get to my town, there's a Main Street. There's a sign. Turn right on Main Street and go from there. I remember I pulled into this little town. I get to Main Street and left. You can see the whole town, the shops, the churches, right was a lake. During the winter in the UP, they actually put a sign up and it becomes a road over the... I'm from Chicago. We don't drive on lakes. I turned right anyway and I was watching trucks were going across the lake and it seemed to be okay, but I went across the lake. Closest I ever felt to being like Jesus on water. I got across the lake, got to his house. Little did I know that Mike had devised a cruel plan. Mike had told his family how much I loved coffee. He said, it drives me nuts. Don has to have his coffee. He's always asking for coffee. He loves his coffee. So the whole family decided to put a prank on me. They took the regular coffee out of the coffee pot, or the coffee bin, and they put decaf in there, the regular bin. I know. Mom and dad were in on it. The son, the daughter, the dog, the cat, everybody was in on it. They're going to play a prank on me. I get there, and as soon as I pull in the driveway, the wife comes out with a saucer and a cup. She's like, Don, I heard you like coffee. Here's your coffee. I'm like, thank you. And I'm drinking coffee. didn't taste good, but I figured it was the UP, whatever. Later that night for supper, she's making coffee. She says, Don, you want some more coffee? Yes. And I'm drinking coffee. Next morning, I get up, Don, the coffee's ready. Oh, I love you people. Drinking my coffee. By noon, she had more coffee made, but by noon, I started getting a headache. Like, what's going on? By 2 or 3 in the afternoon, there was a blazing bright light that I couldn't see anything. By dinner time, I was about ready to eat the children. I had become angry and mad and vicious. And it was around dinner time that the family decided, we need to fix this. This is not going well. And they said, Don, we've been playing a joke. This is decaf coffee. And I said, give me coffee. And she made a real pot just in time. I got real coffee and finally the headache went away. I could see past the bright light. Without can be a terrible thing. Say it with me. Without can be a terrible thing. Now this is the time of the message where I usually tell the story where I'm on the tube behind the boat and I'm, I'm, there's a whole group of teenagers that I'm about ready to speak to on the shore and my shorts fall off. I can't tell you that story because my wife has banned that story. I promised I told Ben, I'll tell him the story. If he wants to relay it someday, he can, but it's banned from your. Can you imagine speaking to a bunch of teens who just saw you? Without can be a terrible thing. This morning, I want to talk to you about without. Without. Do you realize that before you came to a relationship with Jesus Christ, your life was just a book of without? Without peace with God, without relationship in a family of God, and without purpose and a mission. Our lives were without. This morning, I want to walk through these passages. They're going to be on the screen today because there's a lot of them, but follow along if you want. Let's look at without, now, 
together. Whoops. Okay. Without can be a terrible thing. Now we have peace with God, partnership in a family, and purpose on a mission. Ephesians 1.3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. Friends, if you want to know what you now have, instead of being without, just read Ephesians chapter 1. Do it today. After lunch, just Peruse through Ephesians chapter 1 and highlight and underline everything you now have. Everything that is with you because of a relationship with Christ. Without can be a terrible thing. But what we have in Jesus is everything. Let's walk through them this morning. Number one, once without, now I have peace with God. Everybody say peace. Once without, now I have peace with God. We are free to stand boldly and humbly before God. Before we we weren't able to do that. Before we were without peace. The Bible says we were once enemies of God and now we've been made his friends. Once slaves, now sons. Once far away, now brought near. Without can be a terrible thing. But today, everybody wants peace. Everybody's looking for peace in this crazy world. It's a troubled world, a troubled time. Shane talked about Financial Peace University. What a great name, peace. Peace over finances? What about peace over family? What about peace over work? What about peace over health? Everybody's desiring peace. And friends, let me tell you, if you want to ministry to people around you, don't try to talk them into having peace. Tell them about Jesus so they can experience real peace. I believe real peace has to begin with peace with God. Peace with God. Have you made peace with God? Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see in this passage what God did for us? See, God made the way for us to have peace with him. We couldn't do that on our own. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't be smart enough. We couldn't be kind enough. There was no way that we were going to make peace with a holy God who is just. Sin must be dealt with. Sin must be taken care of. There's no way to talk your way out of it. So God, because he loved us, he made a way for us to have peace. It was through his son. And the analogy here is about the temple, if you read it. It's about the Old Testament temple and the way that they used to have to worship and approach God. They had to approach him from a distance. Some people were kept out in the Old Testament. Those who were allowed in could approach the holy place, but only the high priest could enter the holy of holies once a year to make forgiveness of sins a possibility for a year at a time. I've got a video I want to show that make make more sense. Go ahead and roll the video. In the ancient Jewish temple, a large veil blocked access to the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelled. It was a constant reminder that sin separated us from God. Nobody was allowed in, 
except for the high priest, and then only once a year. On the Day of Atonement, the high priest would pass through the veil to offer a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. This continued for generations because the sacrifice could never be good enough. Fortunately, it was just a foreshadowing of what was to come. 2,000 years ago, something changed. A new sacrifice was offered, a perfect sacrifice. One final sacrifice for all of time. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He paid the ultimate price so that the sins of all men could be forgiven. At the moment of his death, the large veil in the temple, the very thing that represented centuries of separation from God, was torn. Torn in two from the top down, showing that this era of separation was over. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the Holy of Holies once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. It's a beautiful picture that we can have peace with God. The temple, is a kind of aerial view of the temple. The temple was divided into a couple of different areas. There was an outer courtyard and pretty much anybody could be there, but not everybody. On the outside, not even allowed up the stairs into the temple were the Gentiles. If you weren't a Jewish person, you weren't even allowed in. And then some people could be in the outer courtyard where the altar of burnt sacrifices were on the laver. You could be there. I hate to say it, but there was a gender issue there too. Women weren't allowed up nearby. Men could go closer, which is silly because most women I know are closer to God than us crazy men. But again, it was a system. It was a system that God used to show us our fallenness. It was, it was to show us our need. It was a system that some weren't in. They were out, and, and, and God was going to redeem that. He, he's reconciling all things into himself, the Bible says. Only one, only one was allowed to enter the holy place and then go into the holy of holies. There was a large curtain there. That curtain, they say, was up to four inches thick. We know what happened on the, the day that Jesus Christ died. The moment he died, the Bible says there was an earthquake. The ground shook and that, that, that veil, that thick curtain was torn into from the top down to the bottom. From the top showing us it was God that did it, not man who ripped it. God opened that curtain for you and for me. See, no longer is there separation. No longer are there people outside. No longer is there male or female, Jew and, and Gentile. We're all in. We're all in because of what Jesus did. There's nothing separating you from God. You can enter into the presence of God boldly yet humbly. Peace. Everybody say peace. Peace is a beautiful thing. I didn't read this verse earlier. I should have. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia. Koinonia means fellowship, but it actually goes much deeper than that. I'll explain it in the next point. Koinonia, fellowship. We have peace with God. We have fellowship with God. Without can be a terrible thing. The peace of God, J.I. Packer says, is the first and foremost 
peace with God. It is the state of affairs in which God, instead of being against us, is for us. No account of God's peace, which does not start here, can do other than mislead. Oh, friends, everybody's looking for peace in this crazy world. It needs to start with peace with God. You need to get this relationship correct, this vertical relationship. God made the way. Jesus Christ died on the cross. His blood was shed. He acted as the great high priest entering into that holy of holies and making a sacrifice that's for all time. It's not once in a year now. It's forever. It's done. It's been completed. And the veil was torn in two. The second thing that we have that would be awful if we were without is I now have a partnership in a family. Do you realize that? You're, you're part of a family. You're in. Romans 12, 9 through 18 talks about what that partnership should look like. I love the, the idea of the cross being the visual. We need to have a, a relationship this way that's fixed first. This vertical relationship, we need peace with God. But once you get peace with God, you could also have partnership in a family. That's the sign of the cross, both vertical and horizontal. You have peace with God and partnership in a family. And that's difficult. Friends, it's not easy. Romans 12 that I'm going to read to you, this is hard to do. But we need to do it. We need to do it. We need to participate in a family. That requires selflessness. I'll tell you, coronavirus has been awful on the church. When we shut down, 99% of churches did shut down when we were asked to. We did that knowing that we're meant to do this together. Everybody say together together and yet it's a good thing that we can learn from this time because we realize that too many people are caught up in thinking that church is a building we go to friends church is not a building it's not a building it's not something you come to it's something you're a part of it's something that we come to this building because we are a family friends we need to wake up and get out of our american ideology of what church is because in china they don't have buildings in china the church meets underground and the church is thriving without a building because they understand the importance of a partnership together and it's a family that doesn't mean we always agree i so appreciate the people that have come to me and said pastor don listen i didn't agree with all the choices you guys made in this coronavirus thing but i'm all in i love you guys that think that way if you it's okay if you disagree with me i've got teenagers and a wife people disagree with me all the time i'm okay with that i've come to realize that a family goes beyond that so we disagree on some choices we got to be bigger than that we got to be better than that we got to be unified think of it as a family Think about your family. Does your family, extended family, get along? I'm coming to Thanksgiving this year to watch. Your family's probably just as functional as as the church is at times because we're a family. It doesn't mean we always agree, and it's okay that we don't always agree because it goes much deeper than that. Let me read Romans 12, and you think about it. Romans 12, 9 through 18, is this... Does this describe your love for the partners you're with and the family of God? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. These are hard words. This is, this is not small talk. God is telling us, I've created a way for you to have peace with me. God says, I, I sent you Jesus. You have peace with God. Now you're in a partnership in a family. It's going to take work. It's going to take selfless love. Anybody know what the definition of love? Selfless, willing sacrifice. That's what it's about. Without can be a terrible thing. You think it's hard being in a church family? Well, without can be a terrible thing. I did a funeral this week. and I didn't see her here today. We have somebody in our church that lost her husband. And Wednesday we did the service. And I thought about having a family to mourn with. Do we mourn with those who are mourning? Are we, are we joyful with those who, who rejoice? The church family ought to be that. A committed, selfless, willing, sacrifice family. Because we have peace with God and partnership in a family now. Koinonia, I mentioned it earlier, means fellowship, but it goes much deeper than that. Koinonia requires participation and sharing. It requires that. So when the church has to shut down, wow, yes, it was an awful thing. We're looking forward to being full force again. That's going to be great. But when the church shut down and we couldn't do a building, are we still a church? Yes. For the people that are watching at home that don't feel safe to come yet, we want them to still know they're part of a family. And we ought to be participating and sharing. The word here is all in. Everybody say all in. Okay, say it like you're not getting scolded. Everybody say all in. That's what we decide. We decide when we cross that that line of faith and we say, God, I'm all in, save me, forgive me, then we have peace with God. But you also step over that line and say, I'm all in with my family. They're going to drive me nuts sometimes. Some pastors are going to be annoying. It's okay, you can chuckle. And that's okay. That's okay. It's a family. And I'm participating. And I'll be sharing. See, it's all in. It's not, not what's in it for me. All in, not what's in it for me. Partnership in a family. Robert H. Mount said, God, God's will is that his children become a family where the joys of one become the joys of all and the pain of one gladly shared by all the others. The Christian experience is not one person against the world, but one great family living out together the mandate to care for one another. That's a great, great quote. Are we a family? Are we all in? We have the, to be without is a terrible thing, but we now have peace with God and we have partnership in a family. And then the last thing is we have purpose on a mission. Purpose on a mission. Philippians 1, 3 through 7. Philippians 1, 3 through 7. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Because of your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. 
it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Our partnership, we have peace with God, but we also have partnership in a family. Our partnership is based on our mutual purpose on a mission, and that's the gospel. To tell others about Jesus. That's what we're partnering in. Our partnership must defend and confirm the gospel among those in the world. The gospel must not be hoarded, but generously proclaimed. That's what we need to do. Oh, the church, all churches need to get past worrying about where we're at right now, online or in person or outdoors. All these thoughts, all these choices, they're just decisions. That's nothing about who we are and what we're to be doing. We've got to be sharing Jesus so that others can have peace with God, partnership in a family, and a purpose on a mission. I love how the writer of this letter talked about partnership in the gospel. Koinonia, sharing and a participation in the gospel. And later he says, while I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, this is what we've been called to do. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God left us with this task. God said he's reconciling all things. All things are being made new, even creation. God is, is waiting for the time where he can make all things the way they're supposed to be. And he's waiting to take us back and bring us to heaven and, and make things the way they're supposed to be. Reconciliation. And God has given us that ministry to tell other people the gospel. That's our purpose. That's our mission. Above the door as you leave, it says... You're now entering the mission field. It's wonderful to have a building. It is. And it's wonderful to see you. Even Rusty was playing the bass with me, and he looked out, and he's like, ah, oh, it's so good to see people. Yes, it is. But I worry that we've made it about a gathering one hour a week in a building. It's much more than that. May God shake us. I think he has. Shake the foundations of what we hold on to is important. Shake it, God, shake it. Shake it. If we're holding on to a one-hour meeting in a building, and that's what we've boiled ourselves down to be, we're lacking. Let's bring it back to our purpose. Be thankful as you go home today that you have peace with God. Be thankful you're in a, a family relationship. And then pray that you're on mission to share the gospel. Without, say it with me, Without can be a terrible thing, but we have so much in Jesus. I'd ask the praise team to come. We're going we're gonna to sing that song, Good Grace. Oh, I love that song. Learn it this week. Good grace, good God. His grace is wonderful. I hope you've experienced it. I hope you're sharing grace with others. I hope you're living that out. Let me pray as we get ready to, to close in song. Father God, I thank you for your word today through the letters to your people. I'm thankful for the instruction and the reminders. God, I'm thankful that those who went before us put the emphasis in the right place. God, help us to, number one, know that we have peace with you. God, number two, I pray that we would realize that we're in a family and that's going to take selfless love. And God, help us to know that we're all in it with a purpose. We're all in it with a purpose. So God bless us as we leave today to be effective, I pray in Jesus' name.